Good morning, Northern Hills. Hey, we're continuing the road trip series, and Jackie is going to have me dress like a monkey each time out, all right? We're going to go to the swimming pool today, if you haven't figured that out. Anybody been to the pool yet this summer? Raise your hand. Cheer out loud if you have. A few of you have. Many more of us hopefully will get there, all right? Uh, welcome to our uh, series. If you're new here, uh, we want to welcome you to Northern Hills. We're thrilled you're here. And uh, again, this road trip series has been taking us where many of us have already gone. We've been on the road, and we've either headed up to the mountains, we've gone to a wedding maybe this summer already, we've gone to a lake that we're familiar with, uh, taking any sort of trip where you're seeing family you haven't seen in a while, especially in this past year, some of us are connecting with family we haven't seen in a while, maybe the swimming pool. And again, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But my family and I just got back from our road trip. And we were in South Dakota uh, this past uh, week, uh, well, about a week ago. And these are just some pictures that we took. That's bear country right there uh, that we were at. The kids loved the hotel swimming pool. And so that was a hit. That was at Reptile Gardens right there, taking a picture there. Uh, fun putt-putt that we were at. And let's see what else we got. Yeah, Mount Rushmore, of course, representing Mount Rushmore with the shirt as well. Um, how many of you, just again, cheering out loud, maybe just hand raised, how many of you have been to South Dakota? South Dakota is a great place, I'm telling you. Like if you have not been, especially as family-friendly things go, I think we were floored. I'll just tell my story. I was floored how amazingly fun it was there. I was complaining, if you remember, a month or so ago uh, uh, during a teaching where I was just highlighting our, our, our vacation seemed to continue to get minimized. First, we were going to go to Hawaii. And there was a lot of plans to go to as a family to Hawaii. Uh, there were some things uh, with my mom. I'm going to share a few of those updates today, but uh, just some, some sort of tragedy that came into my family and, and our lives that we had to postpone that kind of trip. And so it moved quickly to Disneyland. And Disneyland was like, okay, we're going to road out to California, take in Disneyland. But then ultimately Disneyland changed. There was still some COVID protocol and some things going on there. And so Disneyland changed. And so the 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 consolation prize was South Dakota. But here's the deal. We found it to be so amazingly fun. Now, I have to share with you, there's a difference between taking a trip and taking a vacation, okay? Taking a trip is when you bring your kids with you. I already see some nods going on, all right? That's when you take your kids with you. Now, a trip can still be fun, a trip can still have many memories, but that's when you take your kids with you as a trip. A vacation is when you're just with your spouse. And I always tell my kids, I love you guys. I love you guys a ton, but I loved your mom a lot longer than I've loved you, okay? And that's just how it is. But what I found, what God taught me through this fantastic place is it really was a vacation. Um, and if vacations are meant to be refreshing and refueling, uh, there's so much to do out there. There's so many, uh, again, inside jokes we have now as a family trying to share some of those inside jokes. Isn't it the worst You're, when you try to share an inside joke and you only think it's funny, no one else thinks it's funny? We're sort of in that stage in this last week of sharing stories, but really grateful to be back, really feeling refreshed. Um, I got to share with you, because I had my sights heightened as to what our vacation was going to look like, and then when that got minimized, it was a, really a change of mind. It was a change of heart that I had over the course of, I would say, weeks that God just did a work on me to sort of put me in a place of just being grateful, grateful for my family, grateful to be able to take a trip. 
with them. Grateful to uh, get in a car or pack in and, and start just sharing life. Maybe some in-depth stuff we couldn't share around a kitchen table. And, and so he changed my mind. He changed my heart towards the focus of the trip, which I think set a tone for our entire family to get positive and excited and really enjoy some of the memories that we had made on this trip. And some of you are here today, I think, looking for change as well. But it's not even just a change in mind. Some of you are like, yeah, Brandon, I can relate. I have sometimes a negative attitude about not only trips, I have a negative attitude maybe about life. And I just want that to change. I would go as far to say change might not be the word you're even looking for or I'm even looking for when it comes to an ongoing problem in our lives, though. I think many of us are actually looking for healing. There's a difference in that, right? There's a difference in, in connotation. There's a difference in, in the depth of that word from change to healing. And I have to believe, knowing just the season we've come out of and knowing just <laughs> because this is life and this life is difficult, that many of us are here and we're seeking healing. We're seeking to be healed this morning. And it's not this sort of short-term problem we're dealing with. This is an ongoing, long problem that maybe we've been dealing with for quite some time. See, the short-term problems we can maybe handle, maybe get handles on over the course of a week or two and feel like we have some traction. But many of us in here have that ongoing, long problem that seems to just not go away. Maybe it's something medical. Maybe it's a chronic illness it's uh, chronic uh, headaches that you've been struggling with, potentially. Maybe you've been dealing with depression or you've been dealing with an anxiety. And that, to you, has been something you've been navigating for a long, long period of time. Maybe it's overspending, a long problem that you've been dealing with, an overeating problem that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's just as simple as overcommitting. Some of us have that ongoing problem that's just we cannot say no. And that's something we've been dealing with for a long time. We want some healing that's associated with that. Maybe it's someone you love. It could be a relationship with a spouse, relationship with a relative. Maybe your relationship with your father or your mother. It's just been very, very difficult for as long as you can remember. The point is some of us are here today and we want healing. We're looking to experience some healing. And so I want us to come at this week, this road trip that we're going to take today with that lens in mind. I want to challenge each of us to lean into this morning, to think of what that ongoing thing may be in each of our lives. Because our road trip's going to take us to the, to the swimming pool today. Well, it's, it's a pool of sorts anyway. And the text is going to be John chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1 as we look at this very interesting story. Read along with me as I read aloud. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now, just for some context, Jesus has just come from Cana in Galilee. And we shared a story on our road trip. It was actually week one of what he did in that town. But the scriptures record that he has performed his second miraculous sign. His second miraculous sign, and that's taken place with a healing. And here we are now with him at a pool in Jerusalem. And this is actually a pool by a sheep gate. A sheep gate. Doesn't that just strike you as odd? 
I, I've always read that, and I'm not trying to be an instigator or somebody that, you know, uh, is, is being uh, thinking ill will of the master planner for this community. But why would you put the pool by the sheep gate? It just doesn't make too much sense to me. It's sort of like tapioca pudding. Why would you ruin pudding by putting rice in it? Like, I don't understand, and, and you may love tapioca pudding. I actually love tapioca pudding, but it's because I'm 80, <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's why I like it. It's just weird to me. Why the sheep gate by the pool? It's not a regular pool. See, this is a natural body of water. We're going to see what's going on here. Verse 3, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. And you might ask, well, what are they doing there? It's summertime. Some of us might think they're there to get that golden brown tan. No, <laughs> that's not why they were there. What they were there for was for tradition. And the tradition spoke to that an angel would come. That an angel could come at any time, actually stir up the water. And whenever the water would boil up, the people that were by this pool believed that whoever got in the water first would be the ones that were healed. And so you could only imagine, maybe it was days Maybe it was weeks, but just hanging out by this pool, the minute it began to bubble up, I imagine this free-for-all, Royal Rumble style, every man, every woman for themselves getting into this pool. They would rush to get into the water first, right? Verse 5 says, One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him and he knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? You ever have those questions that seem to have the really easy answers? 38 years, would you like to get well? Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you ever talked to somebody that's broke? Would you like 100 bucks? It's probably a good thing. Have you ever talked to a foodie? Would you like to go to that restaurant, that new, brand new restaurant? Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, with my wife asking me, do you want to make out? And I'm like, yes, yes, I want to make out, right? Like, it's an easy question to answer, right? Do you want to get well? Would you like to get well was the question. And the answer would seem simple to us. The answer should seem very easy. But verse 7, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Would you like to get well? And I'll be honest, the answer that the man gives, 38 years, and the answer he gives isn't the one I don't think I would respond with. Maybe. The answer seems so simple. Yes, I want to get well. Yes, it's been 38 years since I've been sick. But his response, the man doesn't know who he's talking to. Now, the man may have heard about Jesus. That's a possibility. He, he may have heard that he was going to be in the area. Had he seen a picture of who Jesus was? No. But he was face to face with the one who had the healing power for his life. And he didn't even know it question for each of us, for myself this morning. Do we want to see healing, to see healing in that ongoing problem that we have in our lives? Do we want to get well? Or are we like this guy? Are we maybe missing an opportunity 
This man would literally come up with excuses. And they were valid excuses. Let's be fair. These are real reasons. This man has a real problem, a real paralysis. There's no one to help me. There's no one to help me get to where I want to get. Someone always is pushing their way in front of me. Someone's always getting the better of me. The system isn't working. See, I can remember growing up, and I grew up without knowing my father. And I remember being really hurt by that and almost expecting that people would come alongside me and and do something because of that that they would really relate to not growing up without a father. They would come alongside and, and give me preferential treatment in a lot of ways. I was angry at times in my young 20s when that didn't happen because I didn't have a dad to teach me how to swing a golf club. I didn't have a dad to teach me how to change oil. And I, I wondered how it was going to affect my fatherhood. And so I became indignant with that. And I had some real problems and real struggles growing up, not only without the lack of a father, but again, with a mother that was struggling with addiction, even at that time growing up, some rooted issues she had. And so in many ways, I just raised myself. She did a great job, but I was raising myself in a lot of ways. And so I saw things and I experienced things that no no child ever should. And so I can remember feeling that I was on a mat by a pool for 38 years in, in a season of my life where no one was coming to help me. No one was giving me that extra hand towards healing. I became bitter in moments. But my relationship with God, and it's been a journey, it's not perfect. I know God wanted to heal me. God's always wanted to heal me from that, to not be in that pit of despair, to move forward with my life. He wanted more for my life than to be trapped in those excuses and not step into the healing that I would be seeking on a daily basis. See, for each of us in our ongoing problems, I think it's really important for us to identify the challenges of why healing hasn't occurred. And I think we have to identify them and I think we have to name them because that's going to help us towards healing. It helps us to evaluate why might I be in a stuck nature because we all have the story and we have valid excuses. You have valid reasons why those pains have continued to make that ongoing problem ongoing. But if we feel trapped, if we want to get out of the endless cycle, I think we have to look at the challenges. The first challenge this morning, the longer the problem lasts, the more discouraged we become. The longer the problem lasts, the more discouraged we become. I think this is what differentiates the ongoing from the short-term problems. Because we can get really, really discouraged. 38 years, this man was sick for 38 years. And some of you have had an ongoing problem that hasn't lasted days. Hasn't lasted weeks. Brandon, who, if you only knew my story. This has been years in the making in 38 years. Mm, longer than that. You've tried some things. You thought that it might help and nothing's really worked. And so what's the natural byproduct? Well, you just become discouraged. We have all get discouraged. You've tried working on your marriage and nothing has seemed to work. And years later, you're like, I don't think this is going to help. You've prayed about your, your physical problem. You've gone to the best doctors you could find. Nothing has gotten better. You've tried everything under the sun to fix that physical issue. Maybe this is just what God has for me, is what you think. I've been there. I've been there and you've been there. I remember just three years back, 
a season of panic attacks that really struck me really hard. And it wasn't just the panic attacks that made you feel debilitated, which I did. I was losing sleep and sleep begets sleep. So in losing that sleep and being up at all hours and being wanting just to come outside of my skin, feeling like I wanted to die, I think me thinking and the story I was telling myself, the burden I was to Jenny and the burden I was to my kids was that much more grounded and rooted in wanting to end it all. But in those panic attacks, what's so interesting is that was a period of time that some of you are like, wow, I wish I only had that period to deal with. I was, I was dealing with that over a summer and over a fall, six months-ish, give or take. Some of you have been like, that's a drop in the bucket because mine has been six years. Mine has been 38 years and it's been incredibly discouraging to you. Let's name it. The longer a problem lasts, the more discouraged we will become. The second challenge of the endless cycle, the longer the problem lasts, the more excuses we do make. This is just natural for us. Let's be honest. We're going to start making the excuses of what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with our God, what's wrong with anything else. If we can just put the blame somewhere else, maybe, just maybe we'll be less discouraged. Now, maybe I'm being too hard on this guy. As I stated before, his excuses were valid. But, but in my mind, I, I, I just think in my mind, would I have done a little bit of something? Would I have tried to push through? Maybe I don't know what you do. Again, I've never been an invalid, but do, do, do you crawl? Do you try to scoot? Are you trying to do anything, on uh, an inchworm or something to get into that pool? It must have been so hard on this guy. But I'm thinking to myself over a period of weeks and months, stop, drop, roll. What, could you do something to get closer to that healing? No one will help me out. No one will help me out is what he's saying. No one's going to do anything about this. And some of us, I'm never going to get that better job. I've applied and I've applied and I've applied. Nothing. Zero communication. I'm never going to get the work I want. I'm never going to get a position that God's really designed me for. And so we become, again, discouraged and we start making it, oh, the man or that industry, or I'm just going to drop it, right? Some of, I'm not, I'm not going to go to counseling again. I'm never going to go to counseling again because it really didn't impact me the way it should. I didn't fix any of my problems. It didn't do anything for me. I've tried everything and nothing seems to get better. And that's why we have to name it and identify that, you know what? The longer the problem lasts, the more excuses we can make the third part of the cycle, the final part, the challenge of the ongoing problems. The longer the problem lasts, the more we compensate for the problem. And this is true of my life. This is true of your life. This is where I want to be direct because it's out of love because I need to hear it more than anybody in the room. Some of us are excelling at compensating for that ongoing issue in our lives. We've compensated for it. And basically what we are, in my mind, is we're sort of high-functioning addicts. This is what I mean by high-functioning addicts, that, that we know that the addiction we have or the ongoing problem we have, we know it's impacting our marriage. But that's sort of set aside. We know that our children are having to deal with it, but that's set aside. And so what makes us functioning is that in public and our place of work, we look like we got it all together. Here on Sunday mornings, we come into this place, well, we've got it all together, Sunday best smile, but we're highly functioning. We've learned to manage it. We've learned to, to function within it. And, and you're saying, well, Brandon, significant addiction, 
I don't have a problem with alcohol. It's not just alcohol I'm talking about. I'm not talking about porn or, or pot or whatever you might put into addictive category. I'm saying that some of us have a highly functioning addiction to food. Some of us are addicts with our fitness and working out. Some of us are addicted to our work. Some of us are addicted to another individual. We are called codependent because we look to that individual to formulate how we think about ourselves. Some of us, we are highly functioning addicts with anger. And we, we, we can, again, function at work or function at church, but around the people that we love the most, we are just angry. And that's rooted somewhere, something deep in each of us. See, with marriages, we don't really like it. We want to stay together for the sake of our marriages and for the sake of our children. So we've learned to sort of function within a, a marriage that's going nowhere. We've learned to manage that. And we're just going to stay like this. And what we end up being is just roommates for a season until maybe the kids get out of the house. Or maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck. And so we've compensated a little bit with the ongoing problem because we're learning just to overcompensate with our overspending. And we've been doing it for so long, we don't even know what's going out and what's coming in. We're ready for the next credit card to max out on that next credit card. We don't know the help to look for the next things on the horizon. And we're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And we've just learned to compensate the never-ending cycle of not getting any healing that's taking place. The longer the problem lasts, the more discouraged we become. The longer the problem lasts, the more excuses we make. And the longer the problem lasts, the more we learn to compensate for the problem. It's important to name the challenges. It's important to name and identify them because when we do the listen, we can't change until we recognize that there's a problem. This counseling 101 is what I learned way back in the day. And, and write this down if you're taking notes. You cannot heal if you're willing to tolerate the problem. There's no room for, to invite Jesus into that healing if you have made the problem larger than Jesus. If you're willing to tolerate the problem, you cannot heal. The bottom line, Jesus is asking, would you like to get well? And isn't it interesting how he asks the very question of the man that's going to force the man to say, do I want healing? Because you can't help somebody that doesn't want help themselves. And it's almost like Jesus just knows us. He knows how we're wired. You can only help someone who wants help. So he's very specific with the question, would you like to get well? If I were to ask you, if I were to ask you what you thought the biggest hindrance was to your faith, to, to maybe that faith in Jesus for your healing, what would you say? The biggest obstacle you face, is it fear? I think that would be an answer maybe for many of us. Is it worry? Worry of the unknown and stepping out in faith with Jesus always has some element of worry. I get the, those answers, but the older I get, I tend to wonder if the biggest obstacle to our faith is the familiar. I wonder if we're so familiar with our surroundings, if we're so familiar 38 years on a mat, and that mat becomes the comfort zone of our lives, where that familiar doesn't lead us into the faith journey because we're so afraid of what God could do that we, we, we just want to stay in the safe place where we know what we can do. We know what we can manage. We compensate. We make excuses. 
Here's the 500 ways I've learned to manage this life. Here's my resume of who else is to blame. And so we start to accept what is over what could be. I wonder if the biggest problem to our faith is just familiarity. And the bottom line for each of us, where the rubber's gonna meet the road for each of us with our ongoing problems, until our desire becomes greater than the disability, until our desire becomes greater than our disability, we will not experience healing. That's for you and that's for me. I'm gonna say it again, until your desire becomes greater than the disability you experience, you will never experience healing. You won't. Would you like to get well? That desire to get well, the desire to want help, it's gotta be greater. I uh, have some updated news when it comes to my mom. Some of you know what the journey's been um, because I've shared here. Some of you aren't familiar with that. Uh, Just to sum up, my mom uh, in engaging uh, with her addiction the beginning of this year, we found that she was homeless and really just on a ton of drugs and, and a lot of brain damage already that had taken place just was accentuated and just very delusional, needing help uh, across the board. High-end dementia, high-end not believing she has a problem, but she does have a problem. I had my final court hearing this past Wednesday, and they granted me full guardianship and conservatorship over my mom. Um, That was a big win in the courts this past week. And I say win in just the sense that her long-term care, the place she's been healing at, it's a facility that's a specialty care facility, not just a nursing home, but for her brain condition, just to get her the healing. Obviously, she's even been there. She's got three warm meals a day. She's got a roof over her head. But now is the ongoing, right? It's the journey to see what that looks like. And I can only say to you, that when it comes to an individual that desperately needed help, I can remember back in my 20s, I can remember back in my late teens, already seeing some of those addictive patterns where it was like, mom, please let us come in. It started out with just gambling, just gambling, right? It was like, mom, let us help you. Let us help you budget. Let's, Let's work some money. We can really get the right people help you. Have some disposable income with a retirement and a pension and a disability retirement. Like you have money, but it's going out to places and people are taking advantage. Let us help you. No, I don't have a problem, Brandon. I don't have a problem. And so years would build on years, would build on years. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem until here we are. And this guardian and conservatorship is now this new journey that we're facing as a family. Now pin that for a moment. It was a simple question to the man, wasn't it? Simple maybe as we look at it. Would you like to get well? But it's not so simple in our own kitchens when it's relating to that ongoing problem. I don't have a problem, Brandon. I don't. The man runs through his list like we would all run through this. And Jesus says to the man, verse 8 and 9, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat, and he began walking. Now look at me. This is where it's a moment of empowerment. I'm not here to shoot any line to you that instantaneously 
when each of us stand up from our mat, that God's just gonna perform that miracle because we've been there. That necessarily hasn't happened in each of our lives. But listen to me, it took an element of faith to step away from the familiar for that man. It's gonna take an element of faith for each of us to step away from our familiar, from the ongoing thing that we're so tied, 38 years. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And I, I only imagine in my head, how did Jesus frame that? Did he, did he whisper it? Did he say, hey, stand up. <laughs> stand up and pick up your mat. Get up, bud. And did he, did he give him a pat? Go get him. You got this. I got your back. Go do it. Did he do it in that way? Did he say, stand up? Stand up and pick up your mat. I've got this and I've got you. Did he, did he yell in, in, in such a way that would inspire and that you would just know in the depths of your heart that Jesus was, stand up, I got you. I'm your dad and I love you and so move because I want you to be healed. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it was a whisper. I don't know if it was a yell. But I think Jesus was so forthright with that statement because in other words, he was saying to this man, I don't wanna hear the excuses anymore. I want you to leave what's familiar and I want you to leave what you've always known because I know something greater than what you know. I know what healing can look like in your life if you just take one step of faith. Take one moment to have some faith in me. I want you to see what I see. So stand up, because I want you to walk. I'm gonna do for you what you can't do for yourself, but I need you to do what only you can do. So do it, because I'm gonna be the one to change you. I'm gonna be the one to heal you. I want you to have faith because for 38 years, you've been used to the familiar, so stop because that's 38 years that I wanted you to experience healing. You're gonna have to have faith to stand up, to trust those legs and to trust me because I'm capable, I as your God am capable of supporting you. And so this next week, take a step, one step, a step of faith. I don't know if that's into celebrate recovery I don't know if that's into ongoing counseling. I don't know if that's into just a relationship where you're finally confessing something that is an ongoing problem to a friend, to a family member, to a loved one. And lest you think, Brandon, this ongoing problem I have tried and tried again. Lest you think you can't be changed because of who you are and what you've done. I have another story, and this is the story I asked you to pin. In the final court hearing, my mom's lawyer, she asked me a question. She said, what do you foresee your relationship will be with your mom moving forward? It, it floored me. I've been so tactical, I've been so task-oriented. I was like, wow, my relationship with my mom. And I'm gonna get counseling because I need it. 
But part of me was just working through that and I was like, what would I answer? And I didn't know how to answer. I said, you know what, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful in what that relationship will look like because we have not had a relationship for as many years as I can remember. I remember in my early 20s when it started really deteriorating but I'm hopeful that God is going to do something now that she's healthy in a, in a place where she can be healthy, where she can get healing and where I can take care of her and see where that relationship goes. I can't promise anything, I don't know. After the court hearing, I'm getting ready for this message. 38 years is a long time for that man by the pool of Bethesda. I started thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, when did when did things start going bad? And I can remember I was 22 years old. I was 22 years old when my grandmother, my mom's mom passed away. And that's when my mom really started having a very difficult time because of the loss of her mom and someone she was so close to. We all loved my grandma. She was the patriarch of our family, the one that held everything together. And so when she passed, my mom took a plan and a path of addiction that she thought would heal her. And she's finding out that it doesn't. 22 years old. You know how old my mom is? She's 60. 38 years. 38 years. And we are at this place, in this time, in this moment, where God may want to do a miraculous healing beyond anything she or I could have imagined. It doesn't matter the decisions my mom made. It doesn't matter how good she was or how good she wasn't. It didn't matter that the man was not good or, or how good he was or how good he wasn't. It didn't matter because Jesus is good, because Jesus can heal. So when you think you're down, you're not out. And today is the day where each of us can look at our ongoing problems. And maybe today is the beginning of a new 38 years for what you've never experienced if you just were to take that step. You're not done. <laughs> You're not dead. And so God is ready to heal you. It's just a step. It's not going to be perfect tomorrow. But God's moving God's doing something. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are the great healing God. Father, we're just going to ask that you would come into this place and do only what you could do, speak to a heart. And Lord, I know there's so many valid and real excuses and discouragements and maybe even in our mind, the way we've compensated has been your gift, maybe, to just get us by to the next day. But God, help us to stand up, to take a step, to get off our mats, to leave the familiar for what you would have for each of us. Lord, help us each identify in our heads and our hearts what that ongoing problem is, the familiar we've been used to. And Lord, you want something new and fresh and moving in our lives, that you are the God that still changes hearts. You are the God that brings beauty out of ashes. You are the God that will use 38 years or longer and heal your 
people because it's your goodness and not our goodness that can accomplish that. And so that's what we'll put our faith in. That's what we'll put our lock and stock and barrel in God. And we trust you with that today. And we pray these things in your fully resurrected name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.